0: When you first got to varsity at Nimitz, who was the first person to bust you up? Or what was that welcome to varsity moment when you realized this was a whole different level of competition? Well, uh, Heather
1: Foster, she was another point guard I know. And uh, that was my competition. When I was younger, uh, coming up to Nimitz, watching her, I was already shook by her game. So I, I didn't think I could kind of live up to her uh, standard or game. So when I actually got to varsity, I was a freshman. And of course she was a senior. so. Ooh. i just kind of uh yeah took that one took that one for the team but when she left i took the show over so <laughs> i already knew what that was gonna be like with her but yeah she was an awesome pun guard uh, knew exactly what coach jackson wanted but yeah she she worked me moves I, I i had never seen i had never yeah i had never seen it
0: so she was on your team then
1: yeah she was on my team On oh, my okay. team so
0: yeah so uh, uh coming
1: in as a newbie of course they gotta you know Haze you a little bit, initiate you somehow. But, uh, of course, they called me out, a freshman, step up, and I wasn't going to back down. So I stepped up, but uh, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't was pretty Was it at different
0: all. when you're coming up, you know, just playing like in the community and coming up through middle school? Was it different to when you actually got to the high school practice? Did, did she step it up another level on you?
1: She did, uh, but I don't think it was any different because I grew up playing guys, and I think that was the uh, the difference maker for me. It was more getting accustomed to playing with girls and and, uh, kind of getting to their speed. But my entire younger days, I was at the parks playing with guys, grown men. So it was just me kind of getting my confidence to play with the the females that stood out in Emmitt's.
2: It always feel like I need one more boy And one more line Record the track just one more time My family think I bump my head Lost my mind and them. I'm just fine I'm good enough But I need one more boy And one more line Record the track just one more time My family think I bump my head Lost my mind, ensuring I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. one more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, ensuring I'm just fine, I'm good enough. I'm just fine, I'm good enough. But you be told I need some therapy. Initially ain't do it
0: voluntarily, but now I got a legacy. All right, welcome to the inaugural first ever episode <laughs> of the Team Player Podcast. I'm Coach Kovo. I am honored to have one of the best coaches in the Houston area. She is the 21-22-14-6A District Coach of the Year. <laughs> I'm honored to call her my friend, former coworker, uh, Coach Kendra Venzant. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And, and I just please correct me if it was, is, I've always said Venzant was when I was at Aldina. Is that incorrect or is it Venzant?
1: No, you're fine. That, that was correct. the first.
0: Venzant, uh, oh, okay, Venzant, yeah. yeah. No, Coach, it, it's such an honor to have you here for people tuning in, this is the first ever show. I'll give you a little bit of the history. I love the knuckleheads podcast. That's uh, Quentin Richardson and Darius miles. And they they interview NBA players and they tell those stories that I grew up with, like guys from the nineties and the two thousands and even present day guys. And I just, I love it. And I started thinking, we need to do this for coaches here in the community. I coached for 11 years. Uh, most recently I was at Aldine uh, high school when I finished up. And um, now I do a lot of broadcasting to stay involved in the game. And I, I see the meet these great coaches. I, I want to tell y'all stories. So, I couldn't think of a better person Kendra you you were you were so excellent this year let's get into it you know we're not going to necessarily talk a lot of x's and o's but I think people want to know your story you know so I get to know a little bit more about you we did work together for a year at Aldine but getting to know more about you you grew up in the fifth ward of Houston so you know kind of on the east side of Houston where would that have been if you had if you had stayed out there was that is that like Wheatley or or Kashmir or kind of what what part of the city were you in
1: well yeah it definitely would have been Wheatley uh, my younger brother,
0: he actually didn't graduate from Wheatley.
1: He went back after I finished, and he graduated from Wheatley. So I would have been at Wheatley, but uh, we moved to the Greenspoint area.
0: That's some good basketball at Wheatley. Was, I mean, was that something that coming up as a kid, you were you were dreaming of that, or or what what, what was your basketball involvement as a youth coming up in the community? Uh, like I stated, I played with
1: a lot of guys um, in the community. That that's pretty much what we did day in and day out from, uh, especially the summertime, we were running from park to park, uh, De, DeSoto Park, Mueller Park, Tuffley Park. we basically run from park to park, but um, I didn't really have dreams planned at Wheatley. I, I was just a kid, just hooping. So I, I, high school was never really on my mind, like what high school I'm going to nowadays. It was just wherever I was on to, that's where I was going. Um, but we end up moving, like I said, and we went to Nimitz and I didn't even I didn't even know what was what was there for me, but I know younger uh, I had an older sibling or older, yeah older sibling that played ball and kind of just watching her through it and, and and when I was younger and watching her play at the higher level it was things that at, at one point enticed me to come to Nimitz and wanted to play because Coach Jackson she would put together like a summer league and that summer league was big Nimitz uh, Westfield would be there Kingwood City, all types of schools from around the Houston area would come. East summer and play and I was like wow we really got some hoopers across Houston
0: yeah so that story yeah. you told about playing with grown men you know it's mm-hmm. it's just like uh Tina Thompson which I know you you've mentioned to me when I'm talking to you you, you follow the WNBA closely she obviously played for the Comets you know we won the four four back to back to back championships she did a knuckleheads episode and she did the exact same thing that, that that's what she said is that she she only pretty much only played of guys coming up so mm-hmm. what was that like for she, you know, she told her her experience. But what was it like for you the first time? Did you did you meet any resistance, or or were you welcomed in right away? No, I met a lot of
1: resistance, and I would have to tell guys, hey, don't play me soft. You know, if I'm coming in the lane and you you can take it or block it, go ahead. I said you're preparing me, you're making me better. So it was definitely a lot of drawback. Like, oh, I didn't want to hurt her, but I think when I spoke up and finally said, I have brothers. I'm playing with guys. It's okay. Um, rough me up. I need it. And and I, they went out there and. When I was scored, they would have to respect that. It was like, okay, now I really got to play D. I really got to lock up because she's making a fuss in this park because guys are really like, ooh, you know, a girl is really a younger girl at that point. So, yeah, it was, uh, I earned my respect after playing.
0: Tina was talking about how playing of guys taught her so much about angles and just because she wasn't, she didn't have the length and be able to shoot over people. So, did you have a similar experience where like you changed your game to, to play of guys? Well, that's why I started my game. So it
1: kind of, that was my
0: starting point. I definitely learned how
1: to play smarter because guys are just more athletic. Um, They're bigger, faster, stronger. So yeah, I had to definitely play with being a little bit smarter. Uh, Like she said, playing with angles, uh, knowing how to handle the ball against a a quicker opponent, knowing I can't face guard this guy. So I'm gonna have to protect the ball a little bit. So being smart with angles and uh, how I protected the ball definitely helped me as a point guard.
0: Let's talk about that move to Nimitz. I know you, you said that um, you, you moved over Nimitz. What, what was it like? I mean, going, it's got to be hard for any student, you know, switching schools, you know, like that. But what, what was your transition like to the, the Nimitz High School? Uh,
1: well, it was, it, was, it was easy because uh, we had already knew some of the, the people there in the area. So the transition was fine, but um, I, was, I was never one of them kids that I only hung with a certain group of people. It was like I was that jog that everybody knew, but I didn't know too many people because I wasn't out in the public so I just kind of stayed to my close group of friends and and it didn't make the it, the transition sure. was easy at that point. And
0: you mentioned Coach Jackson. You know, long long time long time <laughs> coach. Can, can you kind of just describe what it was like playing for Coach Jackson?
1: The the first when I hear Coach Jackson the first thing that came to mind her squeaky voice and I to this day she still has it. Um I remember I was, went to Lewis and I didn't expect to see Coach Jackson and but I looked around cuz I heard a voice and I'm like that voice sounds familiar, and I looked around. It was Coach Jackson, but uh, playing under her, it was definitely uh, she was like a mother. Uh, that's that's the second the uh, notion that comes to mind, mother figure, uh, because I didn't have that, and she provided that when I came to the to uh, the varsity level. Because a freshman, she didn't really too much know me, but at the end of the season or closing out the end of the season, she did move me up, and we kind of built that relationship because I, you know, I was a young kid, and she got to knew my life circumstance and 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 tailored to That was my mom at home. I mean, at school, away from
0: home. That's beautiful. See, cause that's why I want to do this podcast. I I think I just want to highlight all the positivity that coaches bring to young people's lives. And I mean, so whether it was like your situation or my situation, I mean, I, I I had my, my dad is with me, but we had a very rocky relationship, you know, when I was in high school. And so my coaches became like father figures to me as well. So I just think that's so important. And I think a lot of people discount that, you know, people in the stands that start yelling about things that don't really matter. (laughs) I mean, I, you know, I could get in a whole nother soapbox about that, but uh, I, I really appreciate that relationship you had with coach Jackson and obviously any conversation about Nimitz, it's going to come back to Brittany Griner. And I, I right. mean, I, I did get to see her in person. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I think I'm a couple of years older. I think I'd maybe come back for college during a break. And I went to Wheeler Fieldhouse where I'm from in Fort Bend and I saw her there and I did see her dunk in a game and she's just amazing. Obviously she's gone on the incredible uh, NBA and international or WNBA and international career. Like, Were were you? Did you cross paths with her? Were at the same time, or was it different timing?
1: We definitely crossed paths. She was a a freshman when I was a senior, so immediately with that height coming in, it was like, yeah, you guarantee varsity, Uh, because no one at that time was tall. So she definitely played varsity ball, and yeah, we we played we played a year together, my senior year, her freshman year, but it was fun. Um, Bigger than everybody, we were just amazed to have someone like it was. We never seen it before on the girl side. So it was like, okay. And so I remember uh, every practice come on, Brittany, dunk, just dunk for me. I'll throw you an alley because I wanted that as a point guard. I, yeah. Give me that little, you know. Yeah. But she couldn't and she wouldn't at that time. But I was like, when I seen her following me, I was like, you want to wait till I leave to dunk, man. Like, yep. you could have gave me that highlight. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> But no, uh, yeah, it was definitely, we crossed paths. It was cool.
0: Does that? I'm just curious, just – and uh, we don't talk too much X's and O's on this show, but, I mean, obviously she she's a game changer with that kind of of, of height, length. What does that change for a point guard when you have someone of, of that stature uh, on the offensive end? How, does that change the way you're processing the game or, or do you just continue to make your reads as you normally would?
1: No, big time because, again, growing up, I was that pick-and-roll point guard – that guard. Um, my brother, he's that height, and so when we go to parks, I'm on him like this pick-and-roll, and we used to call yep. ourselves um, – uh, he would be my KG, my Kevin Garnett. So I was, it was always, it was, yep. it was huge getting her yeah, get yeah. into the game and, and it was simple for me just to kind of read. So it was like, okay, either you're going to pick me up and, and leave big G be a BGO open. or you are going to kind of gravitate towards her and leave me open? Which one? Somebody yeah. going to kill you today. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, that, that style of game is just so popular now. And I know you're teaching that, right. The pick and roll game is kind of like the yeah. basis, right. Of basketball now, but that's, that's really cool to hear. And he, after after your time at Nimitz, you moved on to Kilgore Junior College and then yes. on to Hudson, Houston, Houston Tillotson uh, in Austin. What was that transition like? I mean, so you had the experience, you know, at a junior college level, but then also, you, you know, you played at a private, you know, uh, four year NAIA school. So what, 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 what was that, what was that uh, transition like from high school to JUCO in, into an NAIA level?
1: I think coming out of uh, high school straight to JUCO, it, it wasn't a huge jump for me. Because uh, I was a gym rat, I stayed in the gym. So it made, again, it made a, the transition easy there. And then when I actually got there, um, my coach was like, he he gave me a big and a shooting guard, and he would just basically bring me in, like, we're rebuilding this program here. I want you to be my point guard. So that's how he got the recruitment out of me, like, hey, we're going to build around you. We already have a post, we already have a shooting guard, now we need a PG. So um, I fell into a starting spot right away uh, my freshman year. So the transition was basically, it it was cool. It was easy for me because it was, it was, I gonna say it was my team, but it was my team.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, Point guards, uh, great point guards drive teams, at least everything that I've seen or heard. And I'll ask you more about that uh, later on in the show. But uh, what about once you moved on to Houston Tillotson, what was that experience like?
1: Um, Well, actually, uh, after my two years at JUCO, um, my sophomore year, I ended up telling my coach I didn't want to play ball anymore. Oh, okay. And um, I ended up coming back home and working, but I mean, God had a plan. He knew that basketball was involved with it. So he put me back at HT. So coming from, uh, I guess, a, a working mindset mentality to getting back into the school environment, that was definitely a big transition because uh, I had been out, what, a year. And so getting back into the grooves of the conditioning, waking up that early and, and just putting in the work and 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 being a a, a broke college student again. So that was uh, right. <laughs> definitely a, a, a huge transition. But it was. I, I'm glad I did go back and return
0: and to finish at HT. When did you know you wanted to coach as a career?
1: That that came out of nowhere. <laughs> um, okay. At HT, again, my uh, I went to business management. That was my mindset. I want to own my own, my own business. Right. And um, that time I took off, when I w- was here, I would help my aunt, who's at Aldi Middle, uh, with her kids with basketball. And it just seemed, they gravitated towards me. And it was because of the, I guess, my personality and my knowledge for the game. So it was simple when I went to HT. It was like, okay, yeah think I want to coach and so uh, when I got more involved with kids and and working at different rec centers in Austin it stillified that it it closed the deal like yeah this is something that I want to do
0: so you know this is where our paths crossed you know you started your coaching career at Aldean High School uh, the Mustangs I know you're coaching the ninth grade team what what was it like to start like just just as just starting as a coach going from college student to coach I remember my transition but what, what was it like for you do you have any memories of that
1: I do. I was surprised because Co Sal um, was like, she, we had spoke on the phone and she was like, uh, I don't know something about you, your energy. And she's like, yeah, I want you. And I'm like, OK. And I knew some people tell you always steps you have to take. You might have to start at the elementary level, build your way up to the middle school, the high school. Um, and me coming straight from college to a high school level, it was like, OK, um, I have my philosophy. I know what I want to do. But when I got in the building, it was like, yeah, I got to re reevaluate my my philosophy i gotta reevaluate a lot of things so it was best uh, definitely a, a shock uh, i thought i could just jump in and whatever my style of play was implement it. but i had to i realized quickly that i have to learn my kids first and then implement what works for them
0: no doubt that that's what that's what we all learn as coaches right i mean there's things that we we want to do if, if we you know we're picking up players but you know it's all about putting your your kids in the right position i totally agree with you on that kendra you know, you mentioned Coach Sal, that's Jennifer Salazar. Uh, she was the head ba- girls basketball coach at the time at Aldean. It really was an all-star staff that you had there. I mean, it's something, I mean, you, you got Coach Sal, who's now the head, head girls coach at Pasadena Memorial. You have yourself, who's district coach of the year at Nimitz <laughs> High School. Uh, you had Megan Daniel, who's been yeah. very successful at Cy Ranch. You know, mm-hmm. and she's been extremely successful. And then you've also got David Ruckert, who's stayed, uh, coach, excuse me, Rickard, Coach Rucker stayed at Aldean. And he's, he's had, he's done a great job with the ladies there. So mm-hmm. that's unusual to have the entire, you know, entire staff move on into head coaching positions. So that's, that shows me just a, an iron sharpens iron mentality. I think that the coach Sal was going for, but can you kind of speak to that? What was it like being on a coaching staff like that?
1: Uh, like I said, cause I was wonderful. I still give her her praise to this day. Uh, she just don't know how much she, um, like how much I valued her. I, and I know I didn't, Tell her like, hey, I'm watching you every move. But I was sitting back there watching everything Kosa did. I mean, what I like most about Kosa was that she took everybody's perspective. Uh, she did just because she was the head varsity coach. She never said, okay, well, my way is the only way. She looked for outlook or input from each and every one of us, and it was like, okay, this is a coach that cares about what we think, and she understands that it's not just about you know her. And so I think that's what built us or grew us a little bit closer because it was a team effort all the way, and um, that, and that's what I took from Coastal, uh, basically a team effort from the coaching staff, and that's what made us great. Uh, we could sit down, we were gym rats as well. She was a gym rat. I remember at the games, we would sit there and, and kind of ponder and talk about the game, so that made us even closer.
0: No doubt, I mean, I have great memories coming up in the summer and running with the girls, like, you know, as the <laughs> head football coach, camp athletic coordinator, and I can tell you that first question I asked you, the person that busted busted me up was Coach Sal. <laughs> I remember her just working on the baseline step back, wet. You <laughs> know, no, I'm like, oh, my God, I just got Jade big time. But uh, no, she she uh, all all of y'all were incredible. And uh, you know, for my position, it was just such a treat and pleasure to work with, with, with everyone on that staff. So very fine memories of Dean, Mustangs girls basketball. But you know, you you kind of you, you 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 built your toolkit there. You, you know, you're you're working on stuff, with Coach Sal after the game. What was the process to where you felt like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to strike out on my own and, and lead a program.
1: I, I didn't really have that mindset because I will always instill it. Coach, everything you're doing here. I see it. You're ready to be a head coach you're a head coach. And I'm like, really? And she was like, yes. And so, I mean, cause I, I, I didn't know what it took, you know, and I still don't know exactly what it takes, but she was saying like the love for the game that you have and the love that you have for these kids, that's, that's bigger than the X's and O's. And she was like, clearly, you know, basketball. Um, And most point guards know the game, you know, you see it with a different eye. And so uh, she, uh, she uh, basically she put it in my heart and put it in my mind that I was ready. And so when the opportunity came, I I just kind of took it.
0: So was it, so obviously you're an alum, you're a Nimitz alum. So you are back home. I mean, was, I'm sure, I'm sure that made some kind of factor, but were. If it was if it if Nimitz wasn't available would you have tried somewhere else or was it the fact that when you saw Nimitz came open you're like I gotta go now
1: I think that was a fact that was a factor when I saw Nimitz available it was like yeah and uh, I, I gotta go because um, okay. coming into the district um, I attempted to go there also as a freshman coach and then some about this was just like all right maybe this is a sign I, I'm not sure because I had been in contact with the uh, Head coach at Nimitz and um, she was pursuing me as well, you know, just as an assistant. And so when it, when it came available, I was like, okay, maybe this is my shot. What,
0: what did you, you know, going, you know, we talked about going from a college student to a first year coach and then that transition from assistant to head coach, mm-hmm. I think is probably the biggest mm-hmm. jump. Um, you know, what, what, what did you learn from that? transition going from from an assistant to a first year head coach
1: um i learned a lot and and the main thing i guess i can uh, state state that i learned is basically um it is bigger than the x's and o's um of course on, the, on a freshman level as an assistant you know you, you care for i care for every kid that steps to my building but at that point as a head coach you you this is your program all these are your babies so you have to build a relationship with your freshman kids, your, your JV kids, your varsity kids. So um, that was a that was a, a huge transition. Getting to or spreading myself aware for the entire program. Uh, you know, here I'm just freshman level. I see you guys every day, but now I'm making my duty as a head coach. I want to be visible on our levels. I got to make a connection with all you guys because at some point you're gonna to come to the varsity level, and when you come to the varsity level, I don't want to have to then generate a relationship with you when I first see you on a varsity level no I want to already have that relationship with you so when you come play for me it's already we already know each other. So that was the biggest transition. Um, learning uh, the the paperwork side of it definitely, because uh, you don't have to do tons of paperwork but uh, sitting in meetings, <laughs> uh, making yourself available when you want to take trips and knowing you got to say no, uh, this is my program I have to be here and, and just making myself available, a lot more available.
0: My my vision is, you know, that a lot of coaches, you know, will tune into this podcast. And I think that I think what you shared right there, that's something to consider as a lot of coaches aspire to move into head coaching positions is there is reality to that where the administrative side of it can take a little bit of a, I don't know, something I struggled with. You know, my, my favorite days are coaching my linebackers group. You know <laughs> what I mean? And then when you come up, as you move up that ladder, sometimes you kind of get taken away from the kids a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I can definitely relate to what you're saying there, Kendra. But, and then one more thing that if we do have some young, young coaches that are tuning in now that you're a district coach of the year, what would you go back and tell Kendra Venzant her first year at Aldine as a first year head coach, what would you tell a first coach as advice now, now that you've sat in the head coaching chair? Um, Don't just sit back and and take notes. Actually go to
1: your head coach and say, hey, this is what I want to learn. I I guess I was shy with Kosal, Like, I didn't want to, you know, tell her that I'm learning from you. But it's okay to go to your head coach and say, hey, this is the aspect I I, I struggle in. I need to learn this. Um, Can you be my mentor? Like, she's my silent mentor. And I tell her every day, you know, you my mentor, even if you don't even know it. I still watch you from afar. But just being vocal and stepping up and saying, hey, Find a mentor that's in that position that can kind of already give you those steps and kind of give you that game a little bit, and you know, ease the transition once you make that jump to a head coach.
0: Okay, I want to talk about your program a little bit. My yeah. first time, I, I broadcast for Vibe. I, I believe is your game against Davis was the first time that I got to watch you guys watch y'all play. I just remember, I remember this play of of, of Niaja Vance, your senior point guard, coming <laughs> across half court. I think she got somewhere near the volleyball line, and she just mm-hmm. dropped a one hand dime into the paint for a layup and i remember seeing your reaction on the sideline i was like i remember saying oh, coach k is going crazy over there too and i started call, calling her the point guard because like the more and more i watched her i just saw cp3 everywhere but can you just you know you you have that and before i guess before i i asked second part of my question and then the game goes on and i see you know some some substitution have, and you got a freshman point guard who's a totally different style uh anaya Richard holmes longer lean you know different like more length but extremely, extremely proficient technical jumper, just really skilled, only a freshman. I, I'm about, I'm ready to call Nimitz point guard high. I mean, <laughs> is, is this something that, is this just because it just turned out that way where you had two phenoms coming through four years apart? Or is this part of your development where you, your history as a point guard, you really are, are really focusing on the point guard position?
1: Uh, both. I do focus a lot on the point guard position in practice. I, I lace my shoes up still to this day. And I give them the uh, the tools and we'll sit down and we'll have moments Okay, and I'll call it, all right, all point guards in my office, you know, the coaches to work with every other uh, individual, but all point guards come to my office and we'll sit down and we meet and we'll talk about uh, certain things because I'm like I, I, I I'm big on you, the leader of the team. When I'm not on the court, you guys, you're, you're me, you're an extension of me. Um, so, and then them just coming in two different times is that, that, yeah, that wasn't planned but just molding Vance into that. Like, I didn't even know Vance had that in her. That was, that, that threw me on the sideline. I was like, wow. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's just a little bit of both. Uh, training them up into to that and and seeing what eye they have or what perspective they have and, and letting them play. But then also them just coming in at two different times.
0: You know, talking, you know, we talked a little bit of point guards last night. You're, I was asking you, you know, some of your favorite players, and you listed off to me Penny Hardaway i'm rocking the penny jersey right now in your (laughs) honor because i I know you have the same jersey um you said kim pettit is that is that kim perot is that or is there i'm not i don't know a kim pettit i'm sorry kim Uh, perot auto correct that's what i thought yeah kim perot from the comments i I figured that was the case as a houstonian um of course she played at southeast louisiana was the glue and and any like i've heard on the knuckleheads podcast tina thompson and cynthia cooper both say kim perot was the glue that won us those championships Mm -hmm. she was the one that even though she, she used, she was a scorer in college, but she understood her role to elevate these scores. And, but she was the one to tell him, Hey, Cynthia, you, you're shooting too much. Right. And, and so <laughs> can, can you speak to that? Like as a point guard, do you have to kind of manage sometimes these, these wings that are these big scores? Do you have to, cause you're the one that's deciding who's getting the touches, right. As you come down right. the floor. So what's, can you speak to that a little bit? Uh, Yeah. I, I, I think playing that position, I was more of a passer. So
1: I was always putting those people in position to, and I think overly doing it because I had coach, I've always had coaches, coach, you shoot the ball. We want you to do it. But I yeah. also had shooters that could shoot it. And yeah. um, that's definitely a part of the game as, as playing as a, as a PG, knowing that I could take over a game, but allowing my shooters or my or my bigs to get touches and make sure they finish. So, yeah, that's definitely huge as a point guard perspective.
0: Yeah, and I, and I continue down your list. I mean, you had Shannon Bobbitt, uh, Tennessee volunteer, <laughs> yeah. <the Point> Washington <laughs> Mystic, Sue Bird. <laughs> many someone call it guy maybe Diana Taurasi and I know uh and uh, Maya Moore is up there I mean there's so many good WNBA yeah. players but I'm definitely one of them always in that in that stratosphere um you mentioned John Stockton that that was my growing up in the <laughs> 90s I definitely remember Stockton and Malone you said Steve Nash Chris Paul Jason Kidd D Rose and John Morant and I was yeah, like he, hey, yeah 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 he's big right now you really do you do take the point guard thing to a whole nother level that's like just little... <laughs> I, I do
1: and like it's crazy because I, I I put that in my life aspect too like I, I kind of like look at the qualities of a point guard on the court and I'm like that's me off the court as well like I'm always assisting giving so it's like I, I take it literally. like I, I I take it to the heart take it to the heart.
0: One thing I added to the show notes, I added it this morning, so I didn't, you did not get to review this before, but <laughs> one of my favorite parts of knuckleheads is they do, the, they play the game, start, bench, cut. Okay. So I'm going to give you three of those from those lists. I got two sets of them. I'm going to give you three names. You got to pick which, if you're the coach, which you are district coach of the year, 14, 6a, <laughs> who are you starting? So basically who's your top, who are you going to bench? And then who you got to cut? Who's number three out of this group? So my first group, I'm, I am very actually uh, excited <laughs> to hear this we got jay kidd jason kidd okay. we got john stockton and we got chris paul so out of jason <laughs> kidd john stockton and, and cp3 who we starting who we benching and who we got to cut
1: i'm gonna be technical with you are we talking about this
0: era Because
1: that i feel like that great makes great question
0: let's just try <laughs> to that, that's a really good question because they all played in different eras let's try to say at their prime okay and, and in their era right so mm-hmm. not yeah, at their prime and in their era. Okay, uh, I would definitely, I would start Stockton. I would start Stockton. Okay, what yeah. was it about Stockton? Because I, you know, Stockton obviously he's a Hall of Famer, but I feel like I listen to a lot of basketball podcasts, and I think everybody's got mad respect for John Stockton. But I know I don't usually hear him at the top of that, so I'm I'm really curious. What, what was it about Stockton's game that that you put him at start? The thing that will really drew me to him, like I said, I'm a passer first.
1: And I think that, that was his biggest quality. Like, I mean, he could score. Sure. And Chris Paul is a scorer, absolutely, because he's, he's definitely dominating that mid-range. Um, but Stockton is a passer. I'm a, I'm a passer, point guard first with that mindset. So I had to go with Stockton right
0: now. Hey, you know what's funny, Kendra? You know, when, when I listen to Knuckleheads talk about John Stockton, because they they, were, they came in when he was kind of like, he was still in the NBA, still playing. They, they, said, they always say, man, John Stockton, that dude is big. <laughs> they say that he's got like he's got tree trunk legs. Like you see him on TV and you see kind of a little white guy, right. little short shorts. You think one thing, but like they're like John Stockton was an athlete and he was strong and physical. So yeah, I, I think I think his perception <laughs> maybe when you talk to the guys that actually played against him, they they hold him in higher esteem than maybe the media or, or things like that. But okay, so you got John Stockton for start. Who are we gonna bench? You're down to Jason Kidd and CP3. Ooh. I would have to,
1: I would have to, uh, bench kid. I need a, I need, a, a someone like a CP that's gone. Yeah. I need a CP on the court. So I would have to, I would have, well, I'm sorry, I would have to bench, um,
0: kid bench kid. Yeah. Fair enough. Yep. Fair enough. No, that, that, th- th- these questions are impossible. <laughs> I mean, it's just so hard, um, with all these guys, but I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. So Jake, uh, you went John Stockton CP three coming off the bench and Jason Kidd, even if that full speed crossover at half court, <laughs> got to go. He's got to go on this one. I got one more for you, just for fun, from the people you gave me. So uh, start bench cut. This one might be harder. A little bit generational here. Got Steve Nash, okay. Penny. Okay, so we got a lengthy, very lengthy yeah. point guard, and we got John ja Morant. Now he's obviously a very <laughs> new age player, so I know this is gonna be tough. But start bench cut: Steve Nash, Penny Hardaway, and John ja Morant.
1: Uh. I would have to start uh, Ja. I would have to start Ja. I would have to. Uh, I hate to do it. I would have to cut. I would have to cut Nash. I would hate to yeah. do it, but I would have to cut Nash. God, that was tough. That was definitely tough.
0: Yeah, no, I, and, I get it. No, that's really <laughs> hard because Nash. I don't know. Maybe, maybe a, a knock on the some of the defensive end end of it. You know, like Penny just has such great length. Yeah. And and, and you know Penny, uh, his his career. Man, you always wonder what if he didn't get hurt. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But no, that was fun. That was fun, coach. So yeah, you're going to, you're going to start John Morant. You're going to bench Penny Hardaway. And, and you know have to cut okay. Steve Nash. Unfortunately. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. All right. So let's, <laughs> let's talk more about point guard. I, I just, I love oh. you. You are, you are through and through you are a point guard <laughs> fan, like in every aspect, a lot of people will compare a point guard for lack of a better term, like to a quarterback in football, you know, do you feel that way? I mean, you've kind of you've talked about it a little bit, but is the point guard, the unquestioned leader of the team and, is this maybe a controversial question? Is the point guard the most important player on the floor? Like when I talk to people when I talk to soccer coaches, almost all of them tell me that the goalkeeper is the most important position in soccer. So in basketball, is the point guard the most important or no? Or does it depend? It really, it, it really depends. It can go both ways. Uh, it depends
1: on the personality of that point guard. Uh, because for example, I had I had Vance. And if you if you met her, you'd be like, she's quiet, she's shy but this year she came out of a, a, a bubble and it was like, she made that difference for us. So um, definitely it depends on the, on the, the, the team nowadays. Um, but generally I would say like the point guard, they're not necessarily a leader uh, because leadership can be displayed in, in, in different forms and fashion um, because Vance wasn't a vocal leader off the court. She definitely wasn't a vocal leader. Um, and neither on the court, but by action, she was, Yeah, uh, and I would have to tell her like, yeah, you, 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 you push hard, you go hard, you, you definitely have that action aspect behind you, but you don't have that vocal piece. So for us, it was another person that, that was definitely not in a point guard position that spoke up and, and led us vocally. But, um, it, it, again, it just depends on who that point guard is, but they definitely have some type of aspect in making the team go. That's that motive for that team. So, um, uh, yeah, on a, on a court, definitely they have to be that person that um uh, that steps up, uh, and, and kind of control the game because at the end of the day, everybody's looking at the point guard. What are we doing? What are we right. calling? Right. Um. So in that aspect, absolutely. But off the court, it, it can uh, the leadership can fall on in, in anybody in any position.
0: Other thing that stood out to me, I, I'm just kind of weird. Like I really love watching warmups. I, I I just I like seeing the structure of how how different coaches structure things and. I was really impressed with your warm up because it, it definitely was not just like we're taking layup line or putting up a couple jumpers. Like I remember, like coaches being involved and like passing to players, like coming working, t- coming tight off, tight off of screens, and working on like out and things of that nature. So to me, it's, it seemed like a very fundamentally oriented warm up, where it's like almost like it was kind of like a practice. So I don't All imagine right. what you do in practice. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm just curious what what your philosophy is behind that and kind of like your your view on the fundamentals of basketball. Uh, I'm big on energy, definitely big on energy. And
1: I feel like with us, layup line didn't provide that energy for us. It's like, okay, we're going through a basic layup line. Um, and so I wanted to implement something that got us in the, in the motion of our offense in a sense, uh, coming off curls, like cause we did mm-hmm. the dribble drive, uh, coming off curls, coming off handoff things of that nature. Um, and that kind of translated over to the game. It, it brought them that energy. Like, okay, let's pick it up. Um, you have a coach here that's telling you that's communicating. And so, um, that definitely brought energy uh and then on the other aspect <clears throat> the kids the, it, once I did it one time they didn't want to revert back to the always so I was like I'm, I'm fine with it you know so they they enjoyed it and we kind of just uh stayed, kept it implemented within a warm more process and then as far as the fundamentals I'm real big on fundamentals um I teach with small details I feel like that's a lot that uh, is lacking in a lot of the the game nowadays, you know, everybody want a bad move and, and create, you know, bad moves and things of that nature. But we forget that the fundamentals can make a world of a difference. So um, I do teach that heavy uh, to the smallest detail, especially on, on how you position your body on the court angles. Um, I, I want to teach you how to play smart, you know, because at the end of the day, that's going to, that's going to continue to play, you know, because when you get to that college level, everybody's, you know, at the same level as far as skill wise, but well, who's going to do that most, that, that small detail piece to separate you? And so, yeah, I'm big on details and fundamentals.
0: Sometimes when I'm up on I'm, I'm broadcasting and I, I, I'm up there and I, I see parents, you know, complain about certain things like it just it kind of gets on my nerves as an old coach. But your your support, your support group, they stood out to me for a whole different reason. I, I'll never forget. Y'all came out for halftime. and I don't think I've ever seen this. You had a great crowd come out and the entire crowd stood up and did it gave a standing applause for your girls returning for halftime in that first game <laughs> against Davis. And I was just blown away. So what's that like having such a great community supporter, or, or is that something you've actively tried to build or that's happened orga- naturally, or like, wh- wh- what's it like to have that kind of support from the parents? I'll definitely try to build it. Uh, Cause th- th- at the end of the day,
1: that's a huge piece to a program, the parents support. Um, and then it just natural it, it just naturally built that way. Uh, last year, um, we struggled at Nimitz and so this year with the, the, the us turning around parents saw that and it was like okay we we're moving in the right direction so I think parents just naturally kind of gravitated towards us but at the same time um, I pushed for a lot of support during my parent meeting that's something that I was heavy on like hey parents we need your support because at the end of the day these are young athletes they can't do it without their parents or someone you know in that in that uh, platform for them so um I didn't have a lot of parent parental support in the stand so I again I'm real big on that for my kids um so let's show up and, and let's show out definitely for the kids so
0: they do yeah. a great job I mean I, like I said <laughs> I'm so impressed with Nimitz your program and the, the fans and I, I hope that parents tune into this podcast as well you know just interested in sports and, and hearing coaches stories and I just I know sometimes parents you're protective of your kids and you think if. I don't know, something happened your kid doesn't get to start or doesn't get to play as much that the coach has it out for him i just want, so I want to tell these stories i want i want parents to see that these coaches are human beings too and they you know they, they really at the end of the day they love your kids and they're here to help and so your your program was such a great example of that just a real positive image there i, I didn't have this one in the show notes because i just remembered it but i think it was your second round game against Aldine. you know as, as soon as the hand, handshake line was over i noticed all the girls just sprinted to the locker room and i remember you know me me and my co-host were like man what I don't know what's going on. I don't know if they they got a party, a pizza party. i or something, but then I saw on social media they, they they had something planned for you. So can can you just describe your uh this your your, your post game celebration? Did, and did you know you're going to walk into that locker
1: room? I, I had no idea. <laughs> and, you know I would have definitely prepared myself a little bit better. Um, and, and the 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 celebration was basically we made our we 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 set out two goals. Um, and we was big on that. Like I said, this year for us we took it personal. Uh, last year wasn't what we expected and what we wanted. And this year we came in with a with a redemption year. It's like, okay, everything that, them games we lost by one or two, you know, uh, however, we coming back and we, we definitely breaking a, the scoreboard, trying to at least. And so I think the kids, um, they felt that energy and I, water was their best solution yep. to celebrate with me. So <laughs> therefore they did dash me they with it. They got her, you pretty good. Uh, pretty good. But uh we just kind of acknowledge the acknowledge our small goals that we did accomplish it and, and um, that we were here, we had made it.
0: Well, like I was saying, you know, the, the main reason I started this podcast is because for me growing up, coaches were my heroes. Like I, for me, it was I having a, a rough relationship, rocky relationship with my father and just kind of being angry as a kid and, and, and needing that kind of support, you know, from my coaches. You know, we talked about you, you have great parent support, but for other parents, maybe listening at other, at other schools, what advice could you give them, like, what advice could you give to them as a parent to have the best outcome for their kid? You, you know what I mean? Like, what, what advice would you give a parent to help them guide their child through a successful athletic career? Uh, support, motivate,
1: and encourage. Um, a lot of my kids, when, when i in, in Coastal, I, I bring this back to Coastal. Coastal, when she found that I, had, you know, received the job, I told her, at Nimitz, and she was like, coach, the kids need a lot of love there and I and I did not know exactly what she meant you know of course she's been a head coach all these years and she has experience so when I got into the position and and I'm starting to see it I'm starting to talk to my kids I'm starting to build this relationship more and more with them and it's true they needed love and and so that was my I gave it to them and so it's like okay now I want parents you know motivate your kids support them because at the end of the day man these kids are struggling mentally with a lot of things and 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 it's not like my generation, you know, I try to tell my kids, um, let basketball be your outlet, but they don't know how yet. And so therefore they're struggling me- mentally and it ends up to the it starts at home, number one, you know, and, and, and build a relationship with that coach, truly know who your who your kids are, are are being coached by, get to know that person and and see the how genuine they are, see the realness, you know. Um, and when the coach is definitely there for your kids and real, definitely support that program. Cause it's going to benefit that kid in the long run. The kid's going to look back down the line and say, Hey, I had a coach that, that, that did anything for me. Um, that, that was there when I needed it, picked up the phone or whatever the case may be, they're going to remember that coach. And, and that's my experience that I want to give to my kids. I want them to come back and say, Hey coach, I remember what you did for me in high school, the talks. I didn't get it then, but now I get it. So just support that coach, motivate the kids and, and continue to encourage them.
0: Real talk, good stuff. And then, and then for kids, you mentioned, you know, kid, kids have like social media is a whole different game changer you and I probably didn't you know, didn't grow up with. I know I didn't. You may be a little bit younger than me, but I don't think either of us did. And um, what, 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 what advice would you, if there's a young kid tuning in, tuning in what would, you know, now you've, you've made it all the way through your basketball career to be in district coach of the year, you know, for kids aspiring to a career like that, like what, what, what advice would you give them? Um, go hard.
1: Uh, and i know that's very vague but and and, and kids don't understand what we mean when we go when i say go hard um you' gonna have to sacrifice a little bit uh your, your fun moments the, the hangs out with the kids but your your friends but get in the gym when you don't want to um basically get in the gym when you don't want to that and i just had a conversation with one of my kids the other day um and i think she's just turning over that new leaf and like she's really locked in on herself and 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 maturing and building like basketball. Yeah, I can teach you, I can give you the knowledge, but at the end of the day, it also relates to life. And I think she's starting to see that and 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 using those two to help her. So uh when you choose to do something, do it with a with the with the intent to actually grow and learn from it. Uh give it your all. Don't half do anything because you're gonna get half results. I truly believe that so whenever, anytime you put something into it, go, go hard.
0: Coach, this was so much fun to chop it up with you and just hear your perspective and your, your story. I hope everyone tuning in enjoyed this. If you, if you can, please take a moment, give us five stars, leave a review. It can be very quick. It can be extremely quick. The stars is really what I'm, I'm after because the stars are going to help <laughs> us. It's going to help us move up the charts so more people can see this, hear stories like Coach Vincent's, uh, which are just so powerful and, and so inspiring. Hit the follow button to subscribe and you'll hear these stories, hear more stories of coaching. Every time I put one out, it'll, it'll pop up right into your playlist and join the team player revolution. Share your stories and your communities of the beauty of the game. Share those stories of me at team at gmail.com. Who knows? I might read your story at the end of an episode, or maybe that story will guide us to, to uh, we'll start a whole new episode where we, we bring on a guest from one of your stories. As always, the cover art, cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast is provided by two of my former players that I am very proud of. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr. If you like it, you need graphic design, email me at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com and I'll get you connected with Kaiser. And my music is brought to you by uh, Avrion. His music is on all platforms. Our music is his single, One More Good Enough. Uh, it's Avrion spelled A-V-R-I-O-N. Check him out. I listen to it about every morning to get my day going right. Big things, big thanks again, Coach Venzant. You are awesome. I was so proud and happy for your your incredible season this year. I can't wait, you know, bar's high now. Well, you know, (laughs) us media types are going to be expecting a lot more (laughs) next season. But uh, I know you've got a great team coming back. So thank you, Coach. Thank you to all the team players out there for your support. And we'll catch you all down the road. Thank you, Coach. Thank you.
2: I always feel like I need one more boy and one more line record the track just one more time my family think I bumped my head lost my mind and them sure I'm just fine I'm good enough but I need one more boy and one more line record the track just one more time my family think I bought my head lost my mind and them sure I'm just fine I'm good enough but I need one more boy one more line record the track just one more time my family think i bought my head lost my mind ensuring them I'm just, fine, I'm, I'm just fine i'm good enough but you be told i need some therapy initially ain't do it voluntarily but now i got a legacy